Welcome back to the Go to Go podcast, man. Episode fifty nine, week five of the NFL season upon us. This week, got another segment, hot or not. Non QB MVPs so far through the season. We're gonna give a couple of people we think should be in that contention, man. And then obviously our week five pickums. But before we start week four, you took the crown, man. Eleven and five. Me ten and six. Neck and neck now. Everything's even forty and twenty-four throughout this year, man. Four weeks in, about a quarter of the way through. But jumping into those hotter knots, man. Let's start you off with one. We're gonna talk about him a little bit this episode, but hot or not, CMC will finish as this season's MVP. Uh so far through the first four games this year, it's not a hot take. I mean now, will he end up winning it? Probably not. We always talk about how it's a quarterback award. Everyone wants to give it to the quarterbacks. But if you look at the landscape so far this year, there's been some good quarterback play. A lot of quarterbacks have been putting up big numbers, but it hasn't really been that one quarterback to separate himself from the pack so far. But when you look at Chris, Christian McCaffrey, what he's able to do in that scheme with that offense, he's definitely separated himself. You know, Nick Chubb going down with injury. A lot of running backs banged up, some not playing as well. Christian McCaffrey is about as, you know, consistent, as stable as you can get. I mean, yeah, like you said, we'll talk about him when we talk about um, most valuable non-quarterbacks. But right now, I don't think it's crazy. I think he'd be the first one to do it since Adrian Peterson in, what, 2012, coming off the ACL tear. So it's been about 10, 11 years since it's been done. So it'd be a really, really cool feat if he could do it. Definitely be different with the way the league's in the trajectory, everyone's throwing the ball now, and you see McCaffrey in this San Francisco offense just kind of playing old school, running the ball, not being too fancy, and CMC dominating not as a running back but as a receiver as well. So it's not a hot take right now. Through the first four weeks, I would probably say he is the MVP. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you remembered who the last one was and when it was. AP 2012, obviously. And we, we talk, it's a quarterback award, whatnot. No, no, but no that, that's easy. I'm trying to see who was before AP, LT, and 06. Yeah. So, I mean, the last non-QBs to win it was two running backs. But next up, man, hot or not, the Rams are legit playoff contender. I would say that is... I'm going to say it's a hot take right now just because it's early. Now, if you want to say they are a playoff contender, I wouldn't argue. Right now, I think they're a fringe wild card team, you know, looking to make a chance, you know, to kind of punch their ticket in, if I would have to guess now. But still got some questions. Matthew Stafford, you saw that last game against the Colts. Banged up, had that ankle injury, I think. Cup getting healthier, but, you know, is he going to play this week still? Some questions there. McVay saying they want to work him back slow. So still some injury questions and also some O-line questions. You kind of seen that pressure get to Stafford when they lost two weeks ago against the Bengals and then against the Colts as well, him getting banged up. So some questions, I think, still on that offensive side of the ball. Defense, you know, Aaron Donald has been playing solid football. He, you know, not looking like his dominant prime self where he was undisputedly the best player, but... He's playing really good, so their defense has been okay. But I, there's just no – if Stafford can stay healthy, 
and Cup comes back to, you know, the form we saw him play at before, then yes, I think they can. But I just think there's too many questions right now. But what does help him is the NFC does seem to be kind of open right now, although kind of switch where the NFC is looking better than the AFC right now. But I think there's still a way the Rams can make it. But right now, I will pump the brakes just a little bit. I want to see a little bit more from that team. So I'm going to say that's a hot take, but the Rams are definitely a lot higher than I thought, than a lot of people thought. And I think they're trending in the right direction. I just want to see a little bit more consistency before I say they can make the playoffs. So I, I would say they're a middle pack team outside and looking at the wild card right now. I agree, man. Last one up, man. Hot or not, Joe Burrow is doing more bad than good playing hurt. That's not a hot take, man. I mean, when you look at this Bengals team and this offense and the way they're just not getting anything going, Jamar Chase and the presser after saying he's always fucking open. I mean, excuse my profanity. Yeah, that's, that's not what you want to hear from your number one star receiver, but he he's not wrong. You know, T. Higgins going down with injury. That offensive line, which has always been an issue, just continues to be the bane of Joe Burrow's existence, man. And defensively, they're solid, but that defense is just on the field so much. There's only so much they can do. Joe Mixon looking like he's taking a step back, not as, you know, dominant as he was before. He's serviceable, but he's not adding, you know, any help to Joe Burrow. And like you mentioned, that injury, he's not able to – because Burrow, he wasn't an athletic quarterback, but he was still able to move around a little bit, be elusive in the pocket, go scamper, scramble, get you a first down here and there, but – now he's like a statue back there in that pocket. And, he, you know, you can clearly tell it's affecting his game. He's not pushing the ball down the field as much. Not able to, you know, avoid those sacks in the pocket and move around. So definitely, definitely hindering him. I, it's a – they got a – I forgot who they played this week. We'll talk about it. But Titans. Titans. Oh, they played yeah. the Titans last week. Yeah, they just played the Titans They're playing and the Cardinals yeah, this they're week. they're playing the Cardinals. So that's the team they should – I don't know if they'll win. On paper, they should – Cardinals are playing frisky. We'll talk about them, but it's a pivotal game, bro. I mean, if you go into this game and lose on the road, you're one in four. Your franchise quarterback, who just became the most paid player in NFL, in the NFL, like, do you want to keep sending him out there? It's just, you know, risking injury, risking, you know, Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow's play just dropping. And I, I don't think that's something you, you would want to do now. Cincinnati hasn't had, you know, the greatest history of treating their franchise quarterbacks <laughs> and players right. So we'll see. So far, they've been pretty good with Joe Burrow. But I definitely think after this week, if you lose or even if you win, but it's not in a dominant fashion and it, there's some question marks still around that team, you definitely might want to look to just maybe putting Burrow on an IR, sitting him, resting him, and kind of just chalking this season up and waiting to get back fully healthy next year. Because like you mentioned in the AFC, is definitely top-loaded, and if you want to compete, like the Bengals coming in, they got Super Bowl aspirations. You know, that's that's their main goal. If you ask anybody in Cincinnati, any of the fans, anyone up there, they, they think they can and should compete for a Super Bowl. So if that's out of the question at this point, I, I think you kind of just throw this season to the side. Say it was one of those weird seasons. Joe Burrow was injured, just didn't get going, and kind of just look forward to next year because there's no reason to go out there and risk injury to – Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, those really big players. You already lost T. Higgins. He's on a contract year. Not too sure what's going on there. So, I mean, it's already looking pretty bad in Cincinnati. So, you might want to just, you know, take the rain delay, call it a season before it gets really worse out there in Cleveland. Well, in Ohio, you said Cleveland. 
Or Cincinnati, Cincinnati. not Cleveland. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Cincinnati. You, you talked about Burrow's mobility. It's not even his mobility. He can't push the ball downfield. You said it. I think he had zero throws for 10 or more air yards last week mm-hmm. against the Titans, which is really bad considering Deshaun Watson just came off his best career game against those same exact Titans. Yeah. Justin Herbert tore him up a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Teams have been able to throw on the Titans. They have a really good run defense, but – you can throw on the Tennessee Titans, and yeah, you like you mentioned it, not a not a good look. That's all my hotter knots for this week. All right, I think I said Cleveland probably because I was looking at my hotter knot, so I'll start off with that one. So we'll go hotter knot after a disappointing loss in Week Four. Sean Watson was ruled out. Is it true that he is the answer for Cleveland after seeing DTR in that offense without Sean Watson? I mean. It's not a hot take. Now, when you say the answer, you know, it's debatable, you know, in what kind of terms. But when Deshaun was playing bad, there was a lot of talk. DTR, you know, the fan base, we got DTR. He's the answer. He's the answer. Deshaun Watson comes in this week questionable. Didn't really practice at all. He was throwing on the side a little. It was about it. So, DTR came in with this. And also... A lot of it is on coaching. I blame Kevin Stefanski for the way the Browns played because he came in with zero game plan for a rookie quarterback that's never thrown a pass in the NFL. And he didn't get him going. He had his first two throws, looked like he had a little bit of a groove. Penalties pushed it back. And then after that first drive, they really couldn't get anything going. Whenever they had a big play, first down, they think they're getting a little momentum. It stopped. Penalties, penalties, penalties. Once again, Kevin Stefanski coached team. Not well-disciplined. Jedrick Wills, the worst left tackle in NFL, does not help DTR at all. But Deshaun Watson, man, I know he's made some bad plays, but especially that one where he threw the backwards lateral that was like a pass (laughs) to Elijah Moore. I mean, that's kind of like a feel thing. You get in the game reps, you start feeling the, the game once again. And, I mean, we saw it against the Titans, him being able to connect on that deep ball with Amari Cooper. Probably should have had two touchdowns when they ruled out, uh, ruled that he stepped out of bounds the first time around and then hit him for the deep ball, which was Deshaun Watson's greatest air yard pass as a Cleveland Brown. And he delivered the ball in there. It looks like he's getting his timing down a little. But the, the play calling is definitely not helping. So, yeah, you're going to need a very talented player. And this, this system right now with Kevin Stefanski is just, I don't know, man. I know the Browns are 2-2, two and two, but... It's almost like I want him him out of there. But regardless, Deshaun Watson, man, you could see the difference out there not being able to put up a touchdown. Run game couldn't get going, nor did uh, Stefanski try to help it at all. And He loves putting Elijah Moore on those end of rounds, man. He's just got to stop doing that. <laughs> it, it's bad, bro. It's bad. All right. Next one is hot or not, the Patriots have to move on from Mac Jones. S- not a hot take, but I'm going to say they need to move on from Bill Belichick at this point. I mean, Bill Belichick, you can say what you want. Definitely a winning coach, Hall of Fame coach. We get all that. But Bill, year in and year out, even when Brady was his quarterback, buys into not having a wide receiver, buys into no weapons, values those tight ends more than he does the true skill position on the offense. 
and it goes out and gets defense. The defense is certainly not looking great this year. Mac Jones has no help whatsoever. And, I mean, they just kind of look like nothing without Tom Brady. They made it to the playoffs that one year. Defense was a very good defense, and that's probably why they were able to make the playoffs. Mac Jones just game-managed. Now they're asking Mac Jones to lead us to victories. Mac Jones really isn't that guy. And I don't think the offense built around him helps at all. So if you want Mac Jones out, I'm not mad at it. But I also think it's time for Bill to kind of hang him up in New England. and Maybe his ways of coaching is almost over because it, it, it's tough, man. Go out there and, you know, you got Zeke, who's an aging running back, coming off the worst year of his career. And you're saying he's been playing so well, we're going to start him over Ramon J. Stevenson, who took – Damian Harris's job last year it just it doesn't add up you got Devontae Parker your number one weapon on the outside and Devontae Parker was drafted in the 2010 like 2011 whatever it was he's been in the league for almost a decade and he's an aging wide receiver and yet a few years ago they paid Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith Jonu Smith's gone I mean it's just the Bill Belichick era I think might be time, man, New England. Listen, I'm not going to say that's, you know, crazy take, but I can definitely see where you're coming from. There's a lot of finger pointing to go on in New England right now. Let's just say that. Yeah, and Max probably pointing at Bill. Bill's pointing at Mac. And- oh, yeah. Max not pointing. He's fucking <laughs> He's- kicking him. Kind of nuts out. Hey, who did he do that to? Sauce? Sauce, yeah. yeah. He's trying to. Cleat Bill. A little dirty player. Yeah. Uh, anyways. All right. The last one I have is hot or not. Both undefeated teams left in, in the NFL, and the Niners and Eagles are the best teams in the league. I mean, it's not a hot take. The Eagles, former, you know, NFC champions, went to the Super Bowl last year. After starting slow, they looked to be starting to click, especially that offense after Hertz was able to throw for 300-plus. A.J. Brown. Got involved. He looked happy on the sideline this week, probably. But we know what they bring on defense. Elite. Jalen Carter stealing a draft. We say that all the time, man. One of the best D tackles in the league right now, not just rookies. But, I mean, you look at the Niners preseason. I had the Niners two, and I had the Eagles three coming into the the preseason award or predictions, man. And, I mean, it kind of stacks up like that right now. The Niners... They're the number one team in the NFL right now. Every phase of football is just A+. plus. If you gave them a grade, it's A-plus all around. Head-to-toe coaching down to the players. They got the best skill positions. They're all elite talents. And not even just skill positions. Every position, they got guys that can play at high levels. And same for the Eagles. I mean, Jalen Hurts, another year under his belt. Can he avoid that? Second, you know, not second year, but, you second know. Second year as a starter. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like a sophomore slump. If he avoids that, I mean, the Eagles are also another team to be in the NFC and might be going head-to-head with the Niners in the NFC Championship this game. And once again, but possibly with a healthy living quarterback for the 49ers. Regardless, they're the two best teams in the NFC. Chiefs haven't, you know, been the greatest in the Dolphins. They got some things to work in work on in the back end. So I would say that they probably are the best two teams right now currently. 
All right, those are my three hundred knots. It's gonna take us into our non-quarterback MVP awards through four weeks of the season, man. Why don't you go ahead and get us started? All right. Well, I'll just get the easy one out of the way, the one we already kind of touched on, and that's CMC. Uh, already kind of covered him. Really not much to say. He's been the best running back. He leads pretty much every single category there is to have for running backs, even receiving. I think he has over 140 receiving yards. So, yeah, and this San Francisco offense, when you kind of watch how they play and you watch how this offense goes, it goes with McCaffrey, and we know Shanahan, that kind of – running scheme they have out there as McDaniels kind of brought to Miami as well. But they use that lateral run, a lot of zone reads and stuff of that nature. And Christian McCaffrey has been honestly a steal of a trade for the San Francisco 49ers team. I believe it was only a fourth round pick they gave to Carolina for McCaffrey. He's finally back. He's finally fully healthy. And it's not even like they're, you know, Limiting his touches, he's getting a complete, complete workload. He's out there every single offensive snap, lining up in the slot, lining up in the backfield. He like to do that thing in San Fran where him and Debo like switch spots for a play or whatever. It's pretty cool, but yeah. And then that play action they get off of that run that's so effective really makes life easy for Brock Purdy. And he hits Brandon Ayuk on a 20-yard crossing route that's wide open. So just everything they do in San Francisco – is because of how good Christian McCaffrey is. And we already touched on how he could possibly be the league MVP. So, yeah, I think when it comes to most valuable non-quarterbacks, he is the epitome of that so far in this season. 459 yards, 5.7 yards of carry, which is insane. Six touchdowns with 18 receptions and 141 receiving yards. I mean, I got CMC on my list as well. It's, it's insane what he's able to do, and I mean – you know, the backfield, you mentioned it goes from CMC, they switch him out with Debo, and then you bring out Elijah Mitchell, who, you know, when there was a lot of injuries in San Fran, he stepped up and he became, you know, a top 10 elite running back, whatever you want to put him in that category. He was above average running back. So that just makes it so much more difficult. And now you got Brock Purdy, who has really stepped into his own. I mean, he's done everything the 49ers have asked, obviously, it's an easier situation than most, but for a guy that was drafted last in the draft to come in and be a quarterback like he's been playing in CMC, I mean, he just takes all the pressure off of him. It's easy. You watch these runs, and you're watching CMC run through, break tackles. Like, this guy's a power back. Well, he's supposed to be an elusive back, but his ability to break those tackles and get those big plays out of those that, you know, might just be a five, six-yard gain that turn into – 40 yards down the field is huge difference. And, I mean, I think they asked Kyle Shanahan, what would you do if you didn't trade for CMC? And he's like, I don't even want to think about that. So it just goes to show you how, how much they value CMC in that backfield, man. But you go ahead and give me your number two. Number two, I'll, I'm going to say TJ Watt. Now, I know this past week against the Texans – didn't really have much going on, but I think that just shows how important he is to the Steelers team where when you take T.J. Watt out of the game and you do your best to neutralize his effect, the Texans put 30 points up on you. Like, that's how important T.J. Watt is. He's I think he's tied for the league league with six sacks. Mm-hmm. And when you watch the Steelers team, he's, like, without a doubt the best player on the defense. And I think he also makes that offense really, really good, too, because – 
when it's third down and they when the Steelers need to play, TJ Watt comes out, he gets the sack, he gets that momentum. But not only does he get a sack, he'll get a strip sack, which, you know, sets up plus field position. They don't have to get that punt. And when you have an offense that's kind of struggling right now with Kenny Pickett, a lot of Matt Canada they hate right now going on. It's a lot easier to put points on the board when you only have to go 40 yards instead of 70. So I think TJ Watt is just – you can Micah Parsons is up there in this conversation too. I just think TJ Watt right now so far this season has been playing a little bit better, especially against the run. TJ Watt is definitely like that difference maker and the really – I'm not going to say the only bright spot because they got a few playmakers on that team, but in terms of super, superstars, TJ Watt is the answer for the Steelers, and he's kind of just backpacking that team right now with everything going on. As a prime Steelers hater, man, I agree with you. I got TJ Watt on my list, number two. You can't argue what he does on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned how they end up getting the ball in plus field position. Well, even if it's just a normal sack, I mean, you're punting from farther back getting your team set up with better field position than probably what you would have and watching him for, you know, the full game length of a game at least twice a year when they play the Browns. I it, it, He's always a problem. He, he's started the season off, I think, with the three-sack game, and then you go to neutralize him, and even then you're double-teaming, and now that frees up Alex Highsmith on the other side, and it sets up for those other guys, kind of like the next person I'll end up talking about. You mentioned Micah Parsons. Very elite uh, pass rusher as well, but I feel like that defense is more put together and at this point, you know, not so much focus on Micah Parsons, even though you obviously have to, given his talent and his skill set. But T.J. Watt, when you talk about the Steelers in a face of a franchise, you don't look at Kenny Pickett. You don't look at anybody on that offense. You look at T.J. Watt and say, this is a guy that's been backpacking for us this whole year. I mean, he's put the team on his back. And probably the sole reason that they're, you know, up there in the ASC North right now. Yeah, and then when you, you kind of mentioned, like, he's like the only person, like, on that defense. Like, when you look at all three levels and you start naming names, it's like, can you even name them? Like, on the D-line, it's like, yeah, Alex Highsmith and all those guys. But T.J. Watt, like you mentioned, creates for them. When you look in the linebacking core, not really much there. And then you get back to the secondary yeah, you have Minka, but he plays free safety. On the outside, you look at those corners, Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, not the best names out there. So he's definitely, you know, the biggest part on that defense. And when you take him out, you can kind of get exposed like they saw this past week with the Texans who just got the ball out super, super quick and did their best to neutralize T.J. Watt. But when he's going and, you know, he's in that zone, there's, there's arguably, you know, He's the best pass rusher in the game. I mean, you, you mentioned guys like you'll probably mention right now, Miles Garrett. You got um, Michael Parsons, Nick Bosa, Max Crosby, I think deserve some credit to be in that elite list. But when it comes to – but all those guys, like, I don't think they're doing it on the level T.J. Watt has this season with the talent around him. So and I think T.J.'s – he's stood out just a, a tad bit more. You mentioned uh, six sacks. He's, he's tied for the league lead, but Khalil Mack – just went absolutely berserk last week. Same with Josh Allen. All those in one game. They're, they're both up there for sack leaders, but obviously, I mean, you got to give credit to Watt. They're not, they're not getting the same treatment as Khalil Mack at this point in his career. But yeah, yeah. All right, and then my third one, I have Justin Jefferson. This Minnesota team has been 
shaky to say at best, you know, offensively, especially the turnovers they had, the miscommunication, just, it just seems like the ball just hasn't bounced the way from Minnesota's way at all this year where last year they just like won every single one score game. Well, now they're losing all of them. And Justin Jefferson is still producing. He's still playing like the best receiver in the league. He has the most yards for receivers and he has the most 20 yard receptions. Like I mentioned, Kirk in this Minnesota offense has seemed to, you know, stalled a bit. But whenever they need a big play, whenever Kirk Cousins is like, all right, we got to have it, he still does his classic, all right, Justin's over there somewhere. Throws it up to him, and he continues to dominate. So I think Justin Jefferson is solely one of the main reasons they were able to get those couple of wins they have so far this season. And without him, like if Justin Jefferson wasn't on this Minnesota team, I'm not too sure if they would have – any wins and I think that's how important Jefferson is to this scheme is to help a quarterback like Kirk Cousins who doesn't really create much on his own doesn't really do too much playmaking wise whereas Justin Jefferson can take all that pressure off of him and be like just put it anywhere near me I'll go up I'll get it I'll make that play crunch time when they need it the most they know they can go his way so I'm gonna say Justin Jefferson yeah you can't argue his talent Best receiver in the game right now, man. Trying to get that contract extension and probably well-deserving of the highest-paid receiver in the league, man. And you you look at the Vikings real quick. It, it's the turnovers that have been killer, drive killers, momentum, you know, huge swings for opposing teams. And if they could just clean those up, Jefferson a part of it with one of those fumbles diving into the end zone, other things like that. The Vikings you know, could easily be three and one instead of one and three, as you mentioned, those one score games. But my number three, man, you just said it, Miles Garrett being a, you know, non-biased Cleveland fan here, Miles Garrett, the double teams he brings each and every single play when the Browns played the Titans, when Miles Garrett ran from one side to the other, two tight ends followed and forced the delay of game just because they don't want to snap the ball without those two tight ends blocking Miles Garrett. It's never before been seen. We saw the crossover hit a nice little uh, spin move last week out of a double team into a sack and a Lamar Jackson, one of the most mobile quarterbacks. Six sacks, man, just a presence and the attention that an offense has to bring to Miles Garrett, sort of like T.J. Watt. And just being so big and so fast and his ability to get after the quarterback is never before seen out of player, you know, his stature, but... The way he's able to impact games for the Browns, I mean, when he's not out there, huge difference when he gets slowed down and people say, where is Miles Garrett? He's fighting a double team and maybe even a chip as well as, you know, that just normal double team. But credit for Miles Garrett. He's up there, too. I think he's also tied with six or five and a half, something like that. Regardless, he's up there in sacks, man. By week this week, Browns will be back next week. But tough. Tough start or tough last week for the Browns against the Ravens. It's going to bring us to our NFL Week 5 pickums, man. This one, we got a real good one for Thursday night. The NFL just <laughs> year after year, Thursday night. They want to bring us the best football of all time. The Chicago Bears are playing the Washington Commanders in D.C., man. Thursday night football. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and rock with the Bears. I like the way they played. Last week until they just fell apart completely in the second half. Justin Fields looked like a different quarterback. 
They finally got a little play action bootleg going, get him out the pocket, let him show, you know, the arm talent that he does have last week. They let him show it. Just fell apart just the worst way possible to the Denver Broncos. And that fumble six that Fields had didn't help at all. But, I mean, the Bears got to get one. They haven't won one since last October. <laughs> Equinus St. Brown says he doesn't go out unless the Bears win. And he said he haven't gone out in a long time. Well, I think St. Brown's going out Thursday night in the clubs, man. So, it's just, I don't like the way Sam Howell and the Commanders have been, you know, necessarily playing. But I think it's a tough one. Coin flip Thursday night, defensive matchup, low scoring. Uh, I'm going to pick the Commanders. I don't think it's a coin flip. I think the Commanders are pretty much the better team here. And I will give you credit. Justin Fields and the Bears look a lot better offensively last week, but that was because they're playing they were playing the different Broncos who just had seventy put up on them by Miami. And then they come back and give Justin Fields his, you know, first career three hundred plus yard game passing ever. So I think that speaks more on the Denver defense than it does this Chicago offense. And the commanders have been pretty solid this year defensively. And then Sam Howell, he's been pretty good. He's he you know some decisions he makes are questionable, but at the end of the day, I think he's a he's a really tough quarterback. He stands in the pocket. He let it rip. So he was very competitive in that Philadelphia game, almost won it for him, scored on that very last play. He can make throws, and he's a tough guy. He hangs in there. So against the defense that will be nowhere as good as that Philly defense, and then before that, they played the Bills, I believe. So a two-tough stretch game. This is a get-right game for the Commanders. The Bears is a perfect team, you know. As they're playing two of arguably the best teams in the league, you get the Bears, who are right now the worst team in the league, sitting with the number one overall draft pick. And I think Sam Howell gets right, gets back on track, and this Commanders defense makes everyone, you know, question Justin Fields again. His offense doesn't look good because they got some players on that Commanders defense. That D-line especially. Chase Young, he looked healthy again last week. They got those two – on the inside with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, those two D tackles who are really good as well. And they got some guys that can cover on the back end too. So I think this commanders team is just better than the Bears. So I'm I'm gonna pick the commanders here. Sam Howell, second Matt most sack quarterback so far in the NFL this year. Yeah, that is the only thing is that he's been line. getting pressured a lot. But you know, he's standing in there, he's taking hits, but he's also making some nice throws. No doubt, man. Next game up. Another London game for the technically road team, but the home team, Jags. They play the Buffalo Bills, man, in London. And when I made this pick, I didn't, I didn't really think about it, but I, I picked the Bills. I'm going to stick with it, man, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Jags' second home, their true home over there in London, but I think it's going to be a good game, man. Last week, they played the Falcons over there, got the dub on Toy Story. Um <laughs> But I just – the Jags right now aren't playing, you know, up to par in how we kind of expected them to continue off last season. They almost, like, restarted like they did last year, started off really slow and then became the best second-half team in the NFL. Kind of doing something a little similar, records a little bit better. But playing a tough game against the Bills, watching the Bills last week and that defense, they look good. That D-line is looking really good. Uh, Greg Rousseau's looking phenomenal for the Bills. They lost Trey White to a non-contact Achilles injury. Tough break for them, but 
they really shut down that Dolphins offense. And then Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs looked like that duo, duo they were two years ago when they were connecting for you know the best duo in the NFL. They're on the same page, and James Cook is slowly come on as you know a great young back receiving and rushing and the bills are starting to run that football a little bit more and it takes pressure off when you get a five yard gain on first down it takes that pressure off Allen those big plays big play Gabe over there as well I mean I think the bills right now they're on the right page and kind of the bills we expected to be all year so I got I got the bills yeah I don't hate that take at all I think the bills are definitely the better team here but the reason I'm picking the Jags is because I think this game is more means more for the Jags. You kind of touched on it. If we think the Jags are this team that, you know, coming into the season, we thought they could have this high-powered offense. We wanted to see, you know, Trevor Lawrence take that next step and become an elite, elite quarterback. Well, these are some of the games they have to win, you know. Like you mentioned, they're home away from home, over there in London again. I think that'll, you know, help give them an advantage. They've been over there already for a week or two. So they don't have you know to deal with that time adjustment and all that stuff, like the Bills will. And I also think you know the Bills coming off a massive win last week at home. We saw them play very very physical. I think that game kind of took a lot out of the Bills, and we could kind of see them like maybe over overlook the Jags a bit here on the road after just beating that Miami team and everyone saying they were the best team in the league. The Bills definitely made a statement, but if the Jags want us you know to take them seriously and and you know, they want us to believe they can compete with these other top AFC teams like the Buffalo Bills, then I think this is a must-win game. And if they don't win, then it's kind of like the same old Jags. Like, maybe they'll squeak into the wild card. But ultimately, right now, if you want to say they aren't even the best team in their division, I mean, you, it's hard to argue because if you look over at the Texans and the way C.J. Stroud is playing, I mean, can you really argue that? So if the Jags, you know, want to reclaim that, that crown they want to they want us to take them seriously they have to beat this bills team and i can see it happening so i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and i'm gonna pick the jags here next game up the new orleans saints they play those new england patriots we talked about earlier in the podcast man i mean head to toe they look like they're in shambles from offense to even defense they didn't score a touchdown was bill belichick's worst loss in his nfl career and he also did coach for the Browns at one point. But, I mean, Derek Carr reports saying, you know, he's going to be back healthy this week. He played last week. Really didn't look like himself at all. Chris Olave, I mean, there, there was almost no offense for the Saints. Alvin Kamara, another week back after playing. And, I mean, on the road, I got the Saints. I just don't like the way the Pats look. Who's their quarterback? Are they going to stick with Mac or Zappy? I don't know if they announced that yet. But I think it's Mac. So they're sticking with Mac, regardless of what it is. I mean, it's going to take, you know, a big underdog performance at Mac Jones at this pace. Sort of what we saw from Zach Wilson on Sunday Night Football. But I got the Saints, man. That defense is looking solid as well. Not playing really good, not playing really bad. So. Got the Saints on the road after taking a tough L last week. They bounced back. Yeah, I picked the Saints here as well, and I kind of went back and forth, but I think I'm going to stick with them. I just think they're slightly the better team. Now, offensively, the Saints are not impressive at all. Alvin Kamara had his first game back. 
you know, they tried to make it a point to get him the football, and they definitely did. He had 13 receptions for 33 yards. I believe that's the lowest total in NFL history for a player with more than with 13 receptions or something crazy like that. They just weren't able to push the ball down the field at all. Like you mentioned, Chris Olave with one target and four yards, and I know because I had him starting in my fantasy lineup. She Shahid didn't get that big target down the field like he usually does from Derek Carr. So there's a lot a lot of questions to be had on that Saints offense. Not a big fan of the play calling. And their defense is solid, and I think ultimately is what keeps them in this game on the road and what ultimately gets them the win. Like we touched on, Mac Jones and the Patriots. I mean, when Hunter Henry's your leading receiver, that in 2023, that, that leaves a lot. You know, there's just not much going on there. Ramondre Stevenson not getting going like we thought he would coming into the season. Defensively, they lost Matt Judon, I believe, for a couple months. I think he tore his peck or something like that. And Christian Gonzalez. Yeah, standout rookie Christian Gonzalez went down as well that last game. And that was their two best players on defense by far. And losing both of them definitely, definitely hurts. So I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I mean, maybe we see two touchdowns from both of these teams. But ultimately, I think it'll be an ugly game. And I'm going to give the slight nod to the Saints defense. Next one up, man. We got the Tennessee Titans travel to Indianapolis to play the Colts, man. And AFC South showdown. Titans, really the exact opposite. The Colts, Colts young team, Jonathan Taylor, might be coming back. Don't know. Maybe next week as well. But there's only one sole reason I picked the Titans in this matchup, and it's Derrick Henry owning the AFC South. His whole career... Anthony Richardson, he looked okay, you know, back from that concussion. He was kind of leading the forefront for rookie quarterbacks before he got hurt, and C.J. Stroud just continued to be consistent. So, you know, not knocking, you know, Anthony Richardson or the Colts. I think they got, you know, possibly a bright future with him, but the team, it just doesn't really stack up. And Derrick Henry... I mean, he's pulverized this division for years, and I still think he's got it in him. Had a great week last week, bouncing back after the abysmal game against the Browns. So, you know, Titans, big road win. AFC South, maybe give them a little life at this point in the season. Yeah, if the Titans win this game, it's going to have to be because of Derrick Henry because right now I don't think anyone else on this offense can produce for them. So I'm going to pick the Colts, man. Anthony Richardson... He's, like you mentioned, he's super, super dynamic, fun to watch with the ball in his hands. He's going to make a lot of big plays running and throwing. You just want to see a little more consistency. I think that comes along, you know, with him playing more. But I like this Colts team at home. They were very competitive last week against the Rams, who are a solid team. Almost made that comeback. You know, they just didn't get a chance to touch the ball in OT. So sometimes that's what it comes down to. But ultimately, I think Derrick Henry will have a big game, but... I think Anthony Richardson comes in and kind of proves that, you know, quarterback is more important than a running back in this league. He makes a couple of big plays at home, and, you know, the Colts finally get that feeling of we got our guy. So I think AR makes a couple nice plays this game. Like we mentioned, it's hard to run on the Titans, but you could definitely throw on them. So I want to see Anthony Richardson air the ball out and make a couple nice plays through the air, and I think he does. So I'm going to pick the Colts at home in the divisional matchup. Next game up, man, another divisional matchup this time, taking it to the north in the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, and 
I haven't particularly loved the way the Ravens have played, but they have won football games. And at the end of the day, all you can look at is that win-loss record at the end of the season. And the Steelers on a total opposite end. Their win-loss record, I guess, is you know pretty good for what they have shown on the field this year because it's just not good football offensively. They are dead last in every statistical category you could imagine on offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, whatever you think it is, combination of both, I'm not buying into that offense. The Ravens, I know they blew out the Browns last week. They didn't look too good even offensively. The Browns were throwing them fits, and it just came down to the Ravens had the ball all game. Something had to click. I mean, regardless of it, you know, TJ Watt, if the Steelers want to have a chance, it's going to have to be, you know, on that Steelers defense or someone offensively stepping up. Maybe they give Jalen Warren the number one workload, which I doubt. But I got the Ravens on the road. Lamar Jackson, expect him to make a couple big plays, and maybe you kind of see that Ravens offense finally blossom under that new system. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to pick the Ravens here as well on the road, but this has like classic Steelers win rain all over mm-hmm. it. Like on the road against CJ Stroud, young quarterback, you get blown out. You get 30 points put up on you. I don't even, did they even score a touchdown? I don't think they I scored think a touchdown. So. Three points maybe? Yeah, they didn't even score. I think they had six. They didn't score a touchdown at all on the road. Well, you come back home against a familiar opponent, the Ravens, who you've played well. Like you mentioned, offensively, the Ravens haven't looked, you know, crazy, but they've been good enough. So maybe, you know, TJ Watt strip sack, the ball bounces the right way, interception here or there, and then the Steelers are up and they're just running the clock out. But I can definitely see that happen. Like this game, like, is like classic Steelers win. Then you get the Steelers fans saying they're the best team in the AFC North. That, you know, Mike Tomlin is the best coach. And that you're just gonna hear it from everyone. George Pickens has like a a nice catch on the sideline. He's the best receiver in the league. Like I just, I've seen this game way too many times from the Steelers, but I'm gonna pick Lamar Jackson in the Ravens, who I think are slightly the better team. Kenny Pickett banged up, had that knee injury, questionable to play next week. Najee just looks worse and worse every week, looking like the second coming of Trent Richardson. So he looked good last week. Well, he he looked better. That's you correct. He did look better, but still, compared to Jalen Warren, he just looks so much more explosive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I think the Ravens are slightly the better team, so I'm going to pick the Ravens here. But it, it has Steelers win written all over it. I like that Trent Richardson comparison. It's kind of like that Browns game when Nick Chubb got hurt. I mean, it literally came down to strip sack, scoop and score, Watt scooped and scored mm-hmm. uh, for the Steelers to win. And then you got Steelers fans talking about the Browns, and they didn't even have a possession in the red zone. But it's going to lead us to our next game, man, Panthers – they traveled to Detroit to play the Lions, who are red hot right now, apparently, in that NFC North. And the leader of the pack, man, the Panthers, the total opposite at the NFC South. They kind of look like they're in shambles. I mean, their best game was when the rookie quarterback was out. And it's just like the play calling, Bryce Young being really young, the weapons not really there for him. It's a tough game on the road against this this Lions team. And when they seem to be clicking on almost every single cylinder other than handing Jameer Gibbs the football, uh, who they drafted to be their guy. But other than that, man, the Lions, I got them at home. It, it should be an easy win, but 
you know, it's the NFL. Maybe the Panthers put up a little bit of a fight. Yeah, I think I think the Lions get a pretty nice – well, not even a nice win. They win comfortably here at home. Jared Goff is like the best quarterback in the NFL when he's playing in that dome for the Lions. So I think they get a comfortable victory here. Like you touched on, Bryce Young, he's been banged up a bit this season. Weapons, not much out there to be desired. Kind of tough. You never really see those guys get open. Run game non-existent for them as well. So, hopefully, brighter days ahead for the Panthers. But right now, it's pretty grim. Lions are literally on the exact opposite. Whereas, things have been looking up and looking up for a while. And it kind of feels like they're finally stepping into that limelight. Finally able to say that the Lions are a good team. Which, I don't think I've ever been able to say my entire life. So, cool to see that. I think Detroit gets rolling. Uh, Jamison Williams, I believe, is back from that suspension oh, yeah. that got lifted. Yeah, so maybe you see him get worked in just a little bit. I know he's basically a rookie at this point. So it'll be fun to see how they add that explosive dynamic weapon for them. But, yeah, I think the Lions are just a better team here defensively. Aiden Hutchinson has been playing really, really good. I think he has the most pressures in the league so far. So it'll be fun for Lions fans to see him get out there, Bryce Young. Not for Panthers fans, but... I think the Lions have their way at home against the Panthers. No doubt, man. Next game up, Houston Texans. We just spoke about them. They traveled to Atlanta, play the Falcons, man. And the Falcons, there's just not much to be excited about other than Bijan at this point. And that running game between him and Algier. Uh, Houston Texans, on the other hand, first off, them uniforms last week with the red helmets, Need to wear those every week. The best unis Houston's ever put out. C.J. Stroud, he's got the city behind his back. The fan base is very hype. You know, former OSU guy knows how, you know, to lead a team from the front. And a guy that's been in the NFL for not a year, rookie year, he's leading this team by example right now. And he's doing it very well, taking care of the ball mostly, throwing touchdowns. I think he's top five in passing touchdowns right now I mean he's throwing for 300 yards in a couple games he's just looking real good connections he has with those guys Nico Collins Tank Dell I mean the whole receiving core they're getting their touches Damian Pierce taking a solid you know reign at the running back position and D'Amico Ryan first year head coach he's got this team playing together I got the Texans on the road against the Falcons yeah, these are another two teams who are kind of like in exact opposites. But in the at, from the quarterback position, C.J. Stroud, I mean, when it comes to, you know, just like in terms of brightest futures, you know, exactly what you want to see from your young quarterback, C.J. Stroud has it. He's on pace to like blow out every single rookie passing record there is right now. He's just dealing, still has yet to throw an interception as an NFL quarterback. And that's what you love to see as a Texans fan, protecting the ball putting points up, getting yards, and they're throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, it's not like they're leaning on the ring game here in Texas. They're leaning on C.J. Stroud and his arm and his ability to read, anticipate, and be accurate with the football. And then you have the Atlanta Falcons, on the other hand, who have Desmond Ritter, who, I mean, he, he just doesn't look like the answer at all. And it's not like he's a rookie who maybe you want to see some, you know, pro- some progression from him. He is still young, only played a couple games last season, so this is like his – First year as a starter, but, you know, he hasn't really shown any flashes, shown you anything, you know, as what you want to see from a franchise quarterback. But like you mentioned, B. John Robinson is the best thing on this team offensively. 
he's going to break some ankles, make a highlight play, you know, break off a couple big runs. But at the end of the day, in this league, in the NFL, when you're going up against teams like the Texans, like these other great passing teams who are going to be able to put up a lot of points, they're going to be able to just move the ball at will through the air. At some point, you're going to have to drop back and throw the ball in. I think the Falcons have talent on the outside to do this at times, but offensively and from the quarterback position, they just can't really get it done. So I think the Texans, win the, they get a comfortable win here on the road against the Falcons. It's going to lead us to our next game, man. Finally get the New York Giants out of prime time as they head to Miami to play the Dolphins. Saw a stat, Daniel Jones, 1-11 on prime time. So maybe he's a new career. Yeah, I think he, it literally is because I think they've played, what, three games so far in prime time? Or is it two only? I know they played week one and, and this week at this least. Past week, yeah. And then they also played a Thursday night game, I think. Yeah, they played a Thursday night game as well. They did against the Niners. Yep, so 0-3 in prime time this year. Um, not really looking good. Their only win was in that four, was it four, maybe it was a one o'clock window. Maybe four because they played the Cardinals. At Arizona, yeah. Yeah, so that's their only win. They finally get out that primetime slot. Maybe you see something, but that offensive line is atrociously bad for the Giants. Saw a clip, uh, Evan Neal, where I think it was Isaiah Hodgins went the chip block, pushed, pushed his receiver off the chip block, basically ran a stunt for the other team, just allowed a free run at Daniel Jones that led to the pick six that really just sealed the game as the Giants were driving down the field. So can't put all the blame on Daniel Jones at this point. He hasn't looked great, but he's been under pressure. I think he is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL right now. If not, he's definitely the most pressured. He's dropping back, has no time, and really hasn't looked good. So maybe this is a storyline for the Dolphins, who have had literally no pressure go against opposing quarterbacks this year. They finally get that that pass rush game going. I mean, you got Bradley Chubb. Jalen Phillips has been out a little. Van Geekel has been the only bright spot in that pass rushing role. Jerome Baker's looked bad at the linebacker position. Literally everyone on the defense besides maybe Van Geekel and Javon Holland have played bad football so far this year. Um, whether it's Fangio's, you know, new defense he's running, but leaving Cater Kohu on Stefan Diggs all day when you got a corner and you pay – one of the most in the league in Xavier Howard, and you're leaving a slot corner one-on-one on the outside with one of the best route runners in the NFL and digs. It's just not a recipe for success. So not liking what I've seen from Fangio so far on the defensive side of things. Offensively for the Dolphins, two was staring down receivers last week. Kind of just didn't look like they had the timing down whatsoever. The groove wasn't there. Scored a couple touchdowns against a tough defense. Give him credit for that, but you're not going to be able to score 40 every game. So I, got, I want to see that defense step up. You're playing a struggling Giants, get some momentum this week. I got the Dolphins at home, man. Yeah, I think with the Giants, they they definitely got some issues going on there. Uh, the Dolphins, who they're funny enough, they're playing, put up 70 on the Broncos, yet the Giants are still, I think they still have the worst uh, point differential in the NFL, which is absolutely crazy. So, coming in from Miami, you mentioned they can't score 40 points every game. Well, this is probably a game they can score or go over 40 points against this Giants team. The Giants just haven't been clicking at all offensively. And 
it's because they haven't had Saquon Barkley, which shows that, you know, the Giants probably shouldn't have paid Daniel Jones, probably should just franchise tagged him and kind of look towards Saquon Barkley because he's pretty much the reason this offense goes. Daniel Jones hasn't looked good at all, but like you mentioned, he's not getting much help from those receivers, those outside guys, and that offensive line. Whereas the Dolphins, tough, tough loss last week against a Bills team that just looked more physical, you know. But I think the Dolphins are still a really good team in this league. Got to get some things cleaned up defensively, like you touched on. But offensively, I think this is a really good game to get things clicking again. And I think we see another big output from the Dolphins offensively back at home, back in Miami Gardens. So I'm going to pick the Dolphins here. That's going to lead us to Cincinnati Bengals, man, who we just spoke about not too long ago. They played the Arizona Cardinals in. All things aside, the Cardinals have surprised me and probably all of the NFL at this point in the season. Team that we expected to be the front runners in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Your guy, um, Jonathan Gannon, <laughs> stepped into a nice role as the head coach. Everyone's making fun of him this offseason. You know, his motivational speech is maybe not there, but I mean, he's got these guys playing, you know, at a nice level. Josh Dobbs has come in, who's a veteran quarterback, but not a lot of experience. Very knowledgeable guy, spent a lot of time at Tennessee, knows, you know, the game of football very well. And he's like one of the, you know, not the best, but I mean, he has led this team to some wins and he has played good football, putting your team in position to win. And when you have a roster like they do in Arizona, it's tough when you don't have a superstar quarterback to lead your team and franchise quarterback like they did with Kyler Murray before he went down. But Dobbs has played very well. This team has looked good. James Conner has slowly been, you know, one of the most, you know, sure running backs in the league right now this year. And, I mean, right now, everything's going right for the Cardinals almost. Everything's going wrong for the Bengals. So, if Joe Burrow steps on that field, man, I got give me the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Cardinals here as well at home. Like you mentioned, Josh Dobbs coming on, he's been – competitive in every single game they've played this year and they've played some tough teams you know beat the Cowboys was played a competitive game against the 49ers was able to move the ball a couple nice long drives against that you know really good defense so besides you know week one where he just came in and didn't even know the offense at all once he's gotten comfortable in this system Josh Dobbs has shown that he's been able to play some really solid football and like you mentioned Bengals Joe Burrow haven't been able to move the football. Things have not been clicking for that team offensively at all. So I'm going to pick the Cardinals here as well. Zach Ertz, rookie Michael Wilson, those guys have been getting involved. James Conner, like you mentioned, Hollywood Brown. They got some solid players out there. So I think the Cardinals get a nice W here at home. It's going to lead us to your Philadelphia Eagles, man. We talked you know, about the Eagles and this other team, the L.A. Rams, man, SoFi Stadium. Probably be more Eagles fans than Rams fans out there per usual. But, you know, the Eagles 4-0 just got a tough win last week, a very good win, gritty game coming down into overtime. And the Eagles, man, I think they just week five maybe, just a little big bit of that beginning fatigue. And I think the Rams kind of squeak one out at home here. No, so far it's not that big of home field advantage and whatnot, but I just I got this game ended up being you know kind of a high scoring game. Puka Nakua 
is on track for being better than Cooper Cup did when he broke the receiving record. And the way Stafford's been able to connect, if he's looking healthy, you mentioned Aaron Donald earlier, not, you know, the best player defensively as he was before, but, I mean, still a really good defensive tackle that causes many problems. And the Eagles are going to have the game plan for Aaron Donald on the other side. I just expect Matthew Stafford to continue this role he's on with this Rams offense. And I, I said it to you, I think it's a little bit of a trap game. I know the Rams aren't that bad. They're a middle-of-the-pack team. But I think the Eagles on the road just let let up just a little too much, hand the Eagles their first loss of the season, and it's going to leave one undefeated team left. Well, I've liked what I've seen offensively from the Eagles as the season has gone on. Jalen Hurts looking a lot more comfortable running that offense. I think he had his best game so far this year. A.J. Brown, like you mentioned earlier, he's been getting the ball. Devontae Smith, he's coming along and making some clutch catches when we need. And the most important part, I think, is DeAndre Swift in that running game, just making things a lot easier for everyone on the offensive side of the ball. And when you know you can just you know, turn around and hand the ball to a playmaker like DeAndre Swift or even Kenny Gamble, who had a, you know, a decent game, a serviceable running back, they can get those four and five guards and just stay ahead of the chains. And not to mention Dallas Goddard, who hasn't even gotten involved yet. So offensively, I, I think it continues to click here. The only issue I see this Eagles team having, and I can see them losing. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and fight you about you picking the Rams because I could definitely see it is this secondary, man. We Eagles are banged up in the secondary. And what does Sean McVay and this Rams team do the best is throw the ball. So I can definitely see Puka Nakua having a really solid game against this secondary. If Cooper Cup comes back, that'll be a really, really big help for this team. And I can definitely see them making a couple big plays over the top and beating this team. Because right now, that's really the only, you know, glaring weakness I, I see. Up front, I believe the Eagles have four or three players with six-plus pressures. Hassan Reddick was able to get to the quarterback last week, finally playing without that cast on his hand. Josh Sweat and Jalen Carter continue to be dominant up front. So we mentioned that O-line for the Rams and Matthew Stafford being banged up. I think the D-line kind of helps the secondary here, make a couple of big plays up the front. Don't let Stafford be able to hold on to that ball and hit Puka down the field and kind of just keep everything in front of him. Not really much of a run game for the Rams as well, although Kyron Williams has scored a bunch of touchdowns in the red zone. I don't think... They'll be able to move the ball on the ground against the Eagles. So I think this Eagles front seven, those linebackers, haven't been the best in coverage, but Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow have been flying around in the run game, making some nice tackles. So I think this front seven plays good enough on the defense, a couple of big plays from the offense to kind of, you know, hide that secondary from being exposed. Although I do think the Rams will have a couple of big plays, but I just think up front the Eagles are going to be a lot better and win this game in the trenches. So I'm a pick Philly on the road here, but I could definitely see Matt Stafford and the Rams airing it out, a couple of big plays down the field and Eagles fall behind. So I don't hate it. I'm, I'm, I just think the Eagles are the better team though. At the end of the day. I mean, yeah, they are the better team for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that, but it's going to lead us to our next game, man. The New York Jets, they play the Denver Broncos and, Zach Wilson, the only quarterback to outduel Patrick Mahomes. I think we all seen that stat. Taylor Swift now thinks Zach Wilson's, you know, better than Patrick Mahomes at football or whatever, <laughs> all the Swifties. Give Zach Wilson his flowers for that game, man. There's a lot of criticism on his back. And, you know, in the New York media, the lights are the brightest. And you feel the pressure. And for a young guy that, 
you know, when he came into the Jets, it was a bad, it was a bad team. Straight up, it was a bad team. Now I think he's finally learned. I don't have to make the best plays. I just got to make the plays that are there. And right now, last week we saw him make him, saw him do that. I mean, he dropped a couple dimes in there as well that were tough throws that you kind of expected him to make coming out of BYU and that big arm that he has. They're playing the Denver Broncos, who just beat the Bears last week in the garbage bowl. But <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think there's many bright spots for the Denver Broncos here. The Jets. We know the defense is elite, if not one of the best top three defenses in the NFL. Zach Wilson, if he gets it going, Brees Hall, that running game over there in New York as well. Right now, I think, even though the Jets lost, I think there is still a shining light into the season for New York and the possibility of maybe squeaking out a wild card and seeing what happens. Uh, just I'm not buying the Broncos. Javante Williams injured. Um, Russ and Champagne, what, what's going on there? Just give me the Jets. Yeah, we mentioned the Broncos. We've talked about them. I mean, defensively, two weeks ago, get 70 put up on you. And then last week, give Justin Fields his best passing game as an NFL quarterback. And if you're Zach Wilson coming into this game, coming off a year best game as an NFL quarterback against a very good Kansas City defense against, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL. We all know how good he is. I mean, I don't think there's a better confidence game out there for you if your name is Zach Wilson playing against the Broncos. Now, maybe if it was at home, that'd be the icing on the cake. But against this Broncos team, I don't think it really matters. So, you know, confidence is so important as a quarterback. And Zach Wilson has to be feeling really good after that performance against the Jets. And if he's able to go on the road against this Broncos team and just continue to build confidence, I like. I really like what you said kind of realize that he doesn't have to make all the plays, just make the plays that is there for him. I think this Jets team can be really good. And, we've, you know, you've seen Aaron Rodgers down on that sideline. He's walking <laughs> around. He's hanging around. You know, that that slim chance of him returning is lingering back behind everyone's mind. So if Zach Wilson and this team can do enough just to get him there, who knows what will happen. But I, I'm with you here. I think the Jets, this defense – Against this Broncos team gives them fits and offensively, I think Zach Wilson continues to prove, you know, improve off of that really, really good game he had last week. Continues to build confidence and, you know, hopefully we can see this guy turn around his NFL career because it, it, it was pretty bleak there for a moment. So I, I'm gonna take Zach Wilson on the road here with the Jets. Didn't think I'd be saying that this year anytime soon, but yeah, give me the Jets. Yeah, same. I mean, when you got the. Best quarterback of your franchise, and Joe Namath saying he saw enough. If that if that doesn't put your chip on it, you know I know Zach Wilson's a young guy, but this is the NFL. If that doesn't put a chip on your shoulder to just go out there and just play freely because if at this point you weren't, that should just you just let it fly, man. What do you have to lose at this point? Yeah, and then, you know the way he played against the the Chiefs, who like I mentioned, one of the best defense. I mean. He's watching film of the Broncos. He's got to be, you know, like a kid on Christmas, man. Like, if I'm a bad NFL quarterback, like, this is a team I want to play, bro. Like, they give up passing yards. They're not good at all on defense. Like, this is a get-right game. This is a confidence-building game, and that's exactly what Zach Wilson needs. So, I think this is a, the perfect matchup for Zach Wilson. Eyes are lighting up, man. That's going to lead us to the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Minnesota Vikings. Four o'clock window, so not prime time, man, but... We, we know what's going on, man, but Chiefs-Vikings, Chiefs, they squeak a win, refs or whatnot. 
I mean, I've known it for years. I I don't know if the NFL and everyone else is just now realizing it because it's happening to bigger teams other than Cleveland. But uh, regardless of the fact, that 2018, 2019, 2020. Oh, was it? It was 2020. 2020. Yeah, yeah. Baker's uh, last, well, not last year, second last year in Cleveland, his best year in the NFL. <laughs> AFC divisional matchup. It should have been Browns, but they still could have beat Chad Henney. He threw it to win the game. Regardless of the fact we're talking about 2023 football, Chiefs-Vikings, I mean, Chiefs on the road over there, Skull Nation in Minnesota. Vikings have been struggling to get some wins with just one win on the year. Chiefs, you know, playing, Pat Mahomes playing, you know, probably the worst game he's played this season, turned the ball over twice. Uh, it's tough, man. I think the Chiefs, slow down a little bit against these this Vikings team. I don't think the Vikings turned the ball over. We talked about that was their worst problem this year, was turning that ball over. They take care of the football. I think they have a good chance to beat the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, I think, you know, they drop a game and probably the only other game they'll drop the rest of this year. But I think, you know, the Vikings get a tough home win and kind of make a statement that they're still here and they're going to battle all season long. You said it's the only other game the Chiefs drop all year? Well, in the regular season, probably. So they I mean, got... I have to look at the schedule, but... Okay. Yeah, I mean, they might lose two more, but... You, yeah. This early in the season, to drop two for the Chiefs is kind of, like, unheard of in the Mahomes, you know? Yeah, yeah I probably hyped uh, them up a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick the Chiefs here on the road. I just think Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't have two games as bad as he did last week, back-to-back like that. Tough game against the Jets, who have a really good defense. So this is definitely be a scale-back defensively for the Vikings. And then offensively, like you mentioned, they just seem to just not like having the ball on offense. I don't know. And this Chiefs defense, although they had a tough time with Zach Wilson, which is kind of crazy to say, I think they get back on track against Kirk Cousins here on the road. Justin Jefferson, he's going to do what he always does. He'll have his receptions, he'll have his, you know, 100, 150 yards and maybe a touchdown or two. But ultimately, I, I think Patrick Mahomes does enough, makes enough plays, makes the right plays and kind of keeps this Vikings offense off the field and just picks away at this Vikings defense. So I think the Chiefs get a, a pretty comfortable victory here on the road. Sunday night football, man, the Dallas Cowboys and their scorching hot defense. They travel to play the best team in the NFL, in my opinion, Cowboys, Niners, Sunday Night Football, and we finally get the primetime matchup that, you know, the NFL is kind of aiming for at this point mm-hmm. in the season. You know, two, two top-tier teams mm-hmm. going head-to-head in the Sunday Night Showdown to, you know, end your football Sunday, man. I think it's going to be a good one, man, probably game of the week right here. Rightfully so, the Cowboys defense, other than the one game where it, it was against Arizona where mm-hmm. the whole team fell apart. They're the top scoring defense in the NFL, and they're playing the 49ers, who arguably are, you know, one of the best defenses in the NFL as well. It's going to come down to can Dak Prescott do the job? And I think we always talk about the Cowboys and that endless cycle. And I just think, you know, after last week, Cowboys bounced back with a nice win. I just don't see the Niners losing right now at this point in time. They're clicking on every cylinder. CMC, we're calling for MVP, uh, non-quarterback at least through this point, whatever it is. I just 
the 49ers on this big of a stage, I think the Cowboys have much more to lose here, but I still see the 49ers getting that dub. Uh, and I just see Dak folding just a little bit, man. You said when the pressure's on, Dak forgets how to play when he's not playing comfortably. Yeah, so now I'm going to say all this stuff about the Cowboys, but I am not a Cowboys fan at all. The Cowboys are probably my least favorite team in the NFL. So it's weird for me to say this stuff, but I think the Cowboys can beat the 49ers on the road. And like you mentioned, both of these defenses are really good, arguably the two best defenses in the league. And I think this is going to be the biggest test for both offenses so far this season. And ultimately, I think it's just going to come down to both defenses are going to play really well. We know that. I think it's going to come down to which quarterback do you think can make the biggest plays. And when it, you know, if you ask me, Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy, right now I, I think I'm going to take Dak Prescott. Brock Purdy, he's still super young in his NFL career, and we haven't really seen him you know, make big plays when it matters. We haven't seen him lead this team, create plays himself, whereas we've seen Dak do it, but like I mentioned, it's usually when he's comfortable. So I think we're going to have to see a big game offensively here for the Dallas Cowboys. I think CeeDee Lamb gets involved. Tony Pollard in that run game is definitely going to have to get going. Ferguson has been a nice addition for that tight end, almost like a safety blanket for Dak. Michael Gallup, he's back fully healthy. He's looked really nice as well as a number two. So this O-line has been blocking decently as well. So I think this Cowboys offense has some answers. And, I mean, both of these defenses are going to make plays ultimately. But like I said, I just think it comes down to these offenses and who's going to make the biggest plays, who's going to, you know, when they need it the most, which quarterback is going to make those throws. And I think both of these quarterbacks are capable, but the question is, can both of these quarterbacks make it happen when it matters the most. I don't, I don't think either one of them have proven they can, you know, sustainably in the league. But this far, I think Dak Prescott, I'm going to give him the nod. He's the veteran. He's been doing this longer than Brock Purdy. So I think this is going to be a really good game, like you mentioned, game of the week. And it could come down to, you know, Brock Purdy's the one that he gets the ball. He's the one that leads that game winning drive. But ultimately right now, I'm going to give the nod to the Cowboys because I think defensively, both of these teams are really good. Defensively, they kind of cross out there. So only a little – the slight edge I see right now for the Cowboys is the quarterback, the most important position. So I'm going to pick the Cowboys on the road, man. Now, if I'm wrong and they lose, I'll be just as happy. But <laughs> uh, I think they win. Yeah, some words I never thought you'd see is I'm taking Dak Prescott over just about anyone in the NFL. But yeah. It's going to lead us to our Monday night matchup, man. It's the Green Bay Packers. They travel to Vegas to play the Raiders. And the Raiders last week, I mean, the Chargers are on a bye this week, so we don't get to talk about them. The Staley two weeks in a row. You know, he got clowned uh, two weeks ago for making the same call he did and going for it and fourth down in his own territory. He's like, you know what? You guys thought it was so bad of a move. He's like, double down. Let me give it to you again. And. They try to take the snap with the QB sneak, I think it was at the time, and Herbert had the hurt hand. I mean, they were even talking. It was horrible play, and if it wasn't even for worse coaching than Mike McDaniel, uh, not Mike, but Josh, Josh McDaniels. McDaniels, sorry. If it wasn't for worse coaching than Josh McDaniels, the Raiders would have won that football game. The fact that McDaniels let a rookie quarterback on first and goal with plenty of time left, you had timeout, 
you let the quarterback, the rookie quarterback, go ahead and throw the football on a bootleg pass for a pick. <laughs> and then you also have Staley telling Asante Samuel to go ahead and slide as well when they still had timeouts remaining. It is the worst coach game I probably ever watched in the last five minutes of football. But with that being said, man, I like the way the Packers are coached. Yeah. Matt LaFleur. I know they kind of struggled last week on Thursday night prime time, but that's that that's that Thursday night game, man. It's a trap game for offense. Jordan Love didn't look up the par. I mean, even the Packers defense didn't really look up the par. Maybe they were starstruck from Lil Wayne running them out the tunnel. Whatever it was, I think they could have bounced back win here against the horribly coached uh, Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I like the Packers here as well on the road. Like you mentioned, a tough game last week for the Packers. But I mean, when they're when you're the literally youngest team in the league, growing pains are expected. This is it. Just happens, you know, with a young, inexperienced team. But Christian Watson, another back, another week back, fully healthy. Excuse me. That defense has been playing pretty solid. Rashawn Gary has looked nice off the edge. A lot of pressures for him. He's made an impact through these uh, couple games. But I want to see that run game get going as well for the Packers. But Jordan Love has been playing some solid football, a little up and down. But for the most part, I think he's been good enough. He showed to be, you know, the ability to create, play make a little bit with his legs. But like you mentioned, I think this is a really good coach team. Matt LaFleur has been scheming up some nice plays, some nice calls for this team. And, you know, Potentially, Devontae Adams' revenge game won't really matter. I don't think the Raiders have much on offense. It's nice to see Josh Jacobs get going again. But that was against the Chargers defense. And like you mentioned, Brandon Staley and that whole thing, that's a whole other story. I don't know why you have your quarterback with a taped-up hand taking snaps under center, but that's like that's another conversation, neither here nor there. Not good coaching at all. But I like the Packers' young team still looking, you know, get those wins looking to even you know compete for this division it was a tough loss last week but they still got a chance you know they still play Detroit again so it'll be really fun young team a lot of talent so it's kind of like a coin flip like are we going to get the good Packers we're going to get the bad Packers I think this week against the Raiders team not much hope for them I think we get the good Packers team and they, they get a fun win on the road Devontae Adams also banged up with that shoulder injury so he might not get that yeah. revenge game as well, but that's gonna wrap up our week five pickums, man. And it's gonna also wrap up episode fifty nine of the Go to Go Pod. You got any last comments, takes, anything like that? No, not really, man. Dodgers playoff baseball, you know, just have to wait a couple games for them to play. Well, regardless, man, the Marlins are currently playing right now as I'm speaking. And by the time this is uploaded, they will either, you know, win heading into a game three matchup or I might not speak about the Marlins the rest <laughs> of the year. But 0-0 ball game, bottom three against the Phillies, little NL East divisional matchup for the wild card round. See if the Marlins and those, you know, arise jazz and just whatever guys they were able to piece together for this roster jake Berger looking good josh bell decent pickup as well so you know it's fish up man i know on this fins up man it's go fish right now for the marlins it's time to ride marlins been long awaited since they won a playoff series so hopefully 2023 is the answer man nonetheless man your dodgers 
Maybe maybe we see each other in an NLCS in a perfect world, but yeah, maybe not. Hopefully the Braves as <laughs> just out. Another story, yeah. Ronald Acuna, <laughs> man, easily NL MVP. No discussion about it. No if ands or buts, but nonetheless, man. Episode fifty nine, goal to go pod on TikTok. Like, comment, share, goal to go, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that. Like, comment, sub share as well man and until next week with episode 60 we'll catch y'all man peace